Well, this weekend we had action between all three series in NASCAR between Portland and Gateway, and we're going to go over each and every race, starting with Saturday's truck race where Grant Enfinger got his second win on the season. We're going to go over how his season has been so far, as well as discuss the finish between Ty Majeski and Zane Smith and some of Zane's comments post-race. Also, we'll go over the Portland race where Cole Custer finally broke through, got that first win and his return to the Xfinity Series, and we'll discuss what happened in front of him between Sheldon Creed, Justin Allgaier, and Parker Kligerman, and of course, the drama between Chandler Smith and Jeb Burton. Then we move back to Gateway, where on Sunday, Kyle Busch dominated for his third win on the season. We'll break down that race, including for the Joys run in the nine car, as well as the battle between Austin Cindric and Austin Dillon. And it all gets discussed on this episode of Free Wild. So before we dive into this week's episode, let me tell you about our presenting sponsor, Hunt to Harvest. If you're looking to update or upgrade your hunting apparel, then hunttoharvest.com is where you need to go. And right now you can go check out their amazing spring 2023 collection where they have numerous shirt designs, for both turkey hunters as well as multiple types of fishing. They're also having a sale right now on their long sleeve shirts. So if you're looking to get a head start on your winter collection, then hunttoharvest.com, they got you ready to go. They still have that mystery box special going on where for $33, you can get three shirts chosen at random sent to you. And for just $11 a shirt with this high quality product you're getting, you're not going to find a better deal anywhere else. So head on over to hunttoharvest.com. Be sure to use that promo code at checkout, RADNEY18923. That's R-A-D-N-E-Y-18923 for even more savings at checkout. And if you want to go straight to the source, just click on the link below in the description. It'll take you right to the website, and that's hunttoharvest.com. So this weekend, we had the NASCAR spread out across from St. Louis, Missouri, all the way up to Portland, Oregon, and you had the Craftsman Truck Series and the Cup Series taking action at Gateway. And kicking things off with the truck race, you had Grant Emfinger getting his second win on the season after leading 65 laps, the most of anyone in this race. Christian Eckes came home in second. Stuart Friesen in third, Carson Hosevar fourth, and Chase Purdy with a solid fifth place finish. Now, while Grant Enfinger got the win, he led the most laps. Really what got him there was an accident between Ty Majeski and Zane Smith in the late goings when Ty Majeski was making a move on the inside of Zane Smith for the win. Um, Ty, he drove it into the bottom of three and four, and, and the truck just got out of shape, and he got up and took out himself and Zane Smith. Uh, a lot of people went hard on Ty Majeski uh, about this mistake, but with, with this incident, number one, Ty isn't one of them drivers, especially in, in his time in the past season or two in the truck series, to to take someone out like that. that that's not his style. This was just simply going for the win and, and putting it all out there, and, and he lost control. And unfortunately, it took out Zane Smith, who was having a, a good race himself. All three, Zane Smith, Ty Majeski, Grant, and Finger, all three of those guys were the top laps leaders. And it's just unfortunate both of them got taken out that way. Ty's looking for his first win on the season. Zane, he's been on a rough stretch. He's looking to, to bounce back. And this led to some fiery comments from Zane after he got out of the infield care center. Basically, and paraphrasing here, saying he made a mistake coming back for this season in the truck series. He, he should have just left, basically saying that this is just this type of driving style in the truck series. And you could tell he, he was aggravated, and it's under, understandable. He has had a rough stretch of the last four or five races. Looking overall at his stats from last season, last year his average finish at the end of the year was 7.7. 7. 
This year, his average finish so far through 12 races is 13.5. So seen quite a bit in, in his stats from last season, but he's still one of the top trucks in the field week in and week out. But looking at, you go back to Darlington. The week before Darlington, he had finished third at Kansas. And at Darlington, he finished 22nd. He started 22nd. This was a race where he just really didn't even seem to be, be in the mix of things. He didn't get really any stage points through the race. Then you go to North Wilkesboro. He finished 32nd. Now, this race, he did get some stage points in it, luckily. Led, you know, was up towards the front for a good bit of the race, but just got caught up in a back straightaway crash that, you know, was nothing of his making. But that was another sour note. And then Charlotte, last weekend, he finished 23rd. And, again, he got some stage points, luckily. But these finishes are definitely bringing down his season, his points total. Uh, and, and here at Gateway, here he is about to bounce back and get a win, and he just gets snatched out from underneath him. Again, nothing of his own making. But I don't think it's fair to lay all of it on Ty Majeski's feet. He didn't – Ty didn't dive bomb it in there with the intention that, you know, if it doesn't stick and I take Zane Smith out, then it is what it is. You know, it, with this track, and we saw it all weekend, these guys are getting loose on the inside. These trucks, these cars, they're very aero-sensitive, and Ty just – Made a mistake in it, and it took him and the leader out. But you know, now the truck series—they got a pretty good break in, in the season. They got got some time off before they come back for the final stretch of the playoffs. And I know Zane's main focus is going to be on trying to basically figure out what's going on and, and get some momentum going his way before the playoffs start. Because it's definitely been a rough stretch for Zane in, in the go of it here lately in the Craftsman Truck Series. And talking about Grant Enfinger for a second, go back to him. He gets his second win on the year. And this has really been a, a solid year for, for Grant so far. Borderline career year. His best season as far as wins was 2020 when he won four races. His best average finish so far has been like an 8.5, and that was in 2019 where he didn't get any wins. But so far this season through 12 races, he has two wins, five top fives, seven top tens, and an average finish of ninth. So his lowest finish this year is the 19th at Atlanta. So it's been a good year for Grant. Much better and I think more consistent than we saw last year where it, it seemed to take him a little bit to get in the swing of things with this 23 truck. But this year he has definitely been on point. Can this be the year that Grant finally breaks through and, and gets that championship? He's been close before. He's been in the, finished fourth twice in the points in 2020 and 2023. Finished fifth back in 2018. So he's normally always right there in the conversation, just never able to push through. With the struggles of Zane Smith, it, it kind of opens up that spot for a top driver, another guy to kind of take the lead as the top guy in the truck series. And, you know, it could right now Grant Enfinger is the best one, I think, in a position to take that. If Ty Majeski had a win or two, maybe him. But it, it's setting up to be a pretty interesting last stretch to the, the playoffs with this Craftsman Truck Series. Now, for the Xfinity Series, they were all the way back up in Portland at the road course. This year's race was quite a bit different than last year's. Last year was plagued by wet weather. This year, it was completely dry, perfect setting for racing. And this was a pretty interesting race for the Xfinity Series. Cole Custer finally breaks through, gets that first win back in the Xfinity Series after some late restart drama between Justin Allgaier, Sheldon Creed, and Parker Kligerman. Cole, over the you know last month or two, 
He started to come into his own, what a lot of people were expecting him to be like in this Xfinity series, in this return. It took him a little time, but go back to, to before Richmond, you know, he had one top 10, which was at Daytona. Outside of that, he had finishes of 27th, 12th, 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 32nd. It, it just never seemed to be able to break through and, and finish out a race. But since then, since, you know, Richmond, he has a fifth place finish, third at Martinsville, fourth at Talladega, seventh at Dover, third at Darlington, third at Charlotte, and now this win. So Cole is starting to get back in the swing of things with this Xfinity car, and that could be dangerous for the, for the rest of the field. Cole, the you can see the confidence building for him, and now we might want to get ready to see a summer of Cole get ready to kick golf. But he was quiet all day got stage points, one stage two, and was just in the right place at the right time when on a late restart, you had Justin Allgaier and Sheldon Creed on the front row and Parker Kligerman took them three wide going into the first corner. And that took Allgaier and Creed off the track where they had to, I don't know if this was a planned little course that they would have to take if a driver's forced off of it. There wasn't any penalties given to them. But that put Cole Custer ahead, and he took off with it. He led the last couple laps, gets that first win on the year. And with the move by Parker, to me, this was a little bit different than what we saw with Ty Majeski in the truck race. Parker's going for the win. I understand he he sees the window in front of him. He's got to take advantage of it because Justin and and Sheldon, especially Sheldon, have been the class of the field all day. And Parker was always right there on the edge of it where he had a decent car. This was his chance to to get it in the lead and possibly get his team a win. But I don't know if if this was the the perfect time to do it as far as going three wide into the first corner. You know, maybe wait and see, you know, what happens with Sheldon and Justin going through the corner because you got Sheldon who's trying to get his first career win Justin Allgaier going for back-to-back wins. He's, you know, trying to play the hot hand he has. Who knows how that would turn out? But, again, I wasn't a fan of the move, but I'm not completely against it. I understand why Parker did what he did. And Parker's one of those guys on the outside looking in, needing to get points. So, you also need to win to lock yourself in. But I just think about all the points you just left on the board. when you Parker probably would have come away – with a top five finish at, at best. So all those points to me that, that those are now gone. But the big story from this Xfinity race was the deal between Chandler Smith and Jeb Burton. And I'm a fan of both these drivers, but I think both of them, this wasn't their finest act for, for either one of these guys. Something went on before they got to the front straightaway late in the going. Apparently Chandler, knocked Jeb out the way or was moving Jeb around on the track. You saw him go down the front straightaway where Jeb's pushing Chandler towards the pit wall, showing his displeasure, also trying to hold up a run. They get down into the next few corners and, and Chandler's behind Jeb and, and Chandler just keeps, you can see, trying to, to spin out Jeb, trying to make something happen, knocking him out of the way. Finally, he's successful at it. Jeb Burton was not happy, understandably. And this is where the Fox crew really dropped the ball on the weekend what it was we we see an interview and we're seeing shots of like Sheldon Creed and John Hunter Nemechek talking things over post race and then it cuts to one of Chandler's crew guys got Jeb in a, in a headlock 
pulling him away from something going on uh, on pit road. And then Jeb coming face to face with Chris Rice and they're exchanging words. And this led to what felt like something awkward to see on social media. You had Jeb constantly talking about using his, his fist, making mention of, of Chandler having to go to the infield care center, the emergency room. I can't remember which one, but, but Jeb just constantly reiterating, you know, using his fist and, you know, time to talk is over. You got, you got to hit these guys and so on and so forth. And Chandler Smith was relatively silent on it until he finally posted a video uh, of this, you know, edit cut with all these little scenes in it. And it shows Jeb barely, you know, it's not the full, full contact punches like Jeb was leading us to believe, you know, Jeb got a few shots in on, on Chandler's head, but, it wasn't a broken nose or anything like that. And I just feel like neither one of these guys really handled it the way they, the best way that they could have, you know, Chandler, he, he was coming across. I don't want to say uh, as entitled, but just a little immature on his part, the way he handled it. But to me, he it's not as bad as Jeb Burton. Jeb, as much as he was talking on social media and talking back to fans and talking back to people about using his fist, making it sound like he just knocked Chandler to the ground and here from the video, we can see that wasn't the case. So where this goes to from here, I don't know Chandler. He's young, he's brash. I wouldn't be surprised if these two don't mix it up again, especially with, with the playoffs looming. Jeb's already got a win. Chandler's got a win. These two are going to probably cross it up again at some point in the playoffs. And to me, it doesn't help when you have a couch racer sending out a video, you know, of a, what was kind of the the main video you saw from the incident, which is just Jeb and Chandler talking back and forth and kind of egging people on like, oh, do y'all want to see the rest of the video? Or, you know, Freddie's going to give his thoughts on it on DBC. He's seen the whole video, just kind of baiting people. And, and I don't know if it's just to get more clicks, more likes, more interaction, with the social media, you know, profile, like I have myself, yes, you're looking for more interaction with fans or more clicks, but didn't really come across as the most professional way to handle it by that account. It, it just kind of felt like you're just trying to add on to the, to the drama of these two guys that really was already a poor episode anyway, but Either way, it, it, it happened. I don't think this will be the last we see between these two guys because you got Jeb, who's a former driver for colleague. I think there's some sour feelings there. The, the, from what I gather, it's, it's not that great a feeling between Jeb and colleague racing. But, you know, that Jeb, I think, just needs to focus on what he's doing on the track. He, he's been a part of some controversial moments or some drama off the track with, you know, things he said or his back and forth with drivers where honestly, rarely he ends up looking on top. So for right now, I think Jeb just needs to focus because he's got a Jordan Anderson racing car in the playoffs. That's a pretty big story. Let that be your narrative. Don't get suckered into all this drama and, and the same for Chandler. Look, you're young and talented. He, this is a guy who I think could be a future star in the sport. Don't allow your season to get derailed because you're getting caught up and all this off-track activity. And now for Sunday's Cup race, which seemed to take longer than last weekend's 600-mile race when it finally got kicked off. 
this race was was plagued from the get-go you had like five laps into it uh red flag after uh the spin by tyler reddick with a lightning delay that seemed to take about an hour 45 somewhere like that and then the the back half of the race after stage two was just marred by accident 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 and even two more red flags so this race really drug on and it was a decent race it wasn't that great i I think it was better than last year, me personally. But no surprise to me, Kyle Busch, he comes away with the win. He led 121 of the 240 laps. And that's no, as I said, no surprise to me because last year he was the best car in that 18 car last season. So he was able to to make up from that overtime loss from last season to Joey Logano and gets his third win on the year. And what's been a okay season for Kyle in his first year with this eight car, he's been He's been okay. He's he's done. He's got three wins quicker than I thought he would. Um, his average finish is up to right where he was in the last couple of years of his Joe Gibbs racing era, especially better than than last year's, where last year was just a complete struggle for him. And you know, it's it's Kyle's keeping things going for Richard Childress Racing. Danny Hamlin he finished in second. Joey Logano last year's winner finished third. Kyle Larson finished fourth after, you know, he was in the back 30 for what felt like the first over half of the race. Uh, Ryan Blaney, he comes away with a sixth place finish after leading 83 laps. I thought it was going to come down between him and, and Kyle Busch. They swapped stage wins. They seem to be one and two throughout the day, but Blaney, he, he just kind of fell back and really just never was able to take advantage of all these late restarts and get back up there in contention for the win. Daniel Suarez, he was the top finishing track house car. He finished in seventh. Michael McDowell in ninth. Uh, some other decent finishers. Chris Buescher with a 12th place finish. Austin Sendrick, 13th. AJ Allmendinger, 14th. And Todd Gillen with another top 15 in that 38 car, continuing to impress. Ryan Priest, he also gets a 17th place finish. And for Eric Jones, 18th may not sound like that big of a deal, but for the season he's had, that that's a, a good solid finish for him. You know. His year has, you know, Legacy Motorsports Club in general has just been a, a letdown this season. I, it's sad that they're probably already looking forward to next year when they get over in the Toyota camp. Um, a surprise for me was, was one, of, one of really many. Number one was Ross Chastain, who was a non-factor in the last, after stage two. He did get some stage points in stage one and two. Um, I don't know if he, he'd gotten some damage from the incident with Michael McDowell or what happened, even though that happened early on in the race or, or if something else, you know, went on back there, but Ross over the past few weeks just has not been up to, to snuff what we're used to seeing. Now he d has gone through stretches. He had a rough stretch last year, but with the timing of all that went on at Darlington, you, you know, just can't help but wonder if something else is going on behind the scenes. Um, if Ross is trying to home down his driving himself and that's leading to these you know poor finishes or is he being leashed by track house or has rick hendrick gotten some pull with, with this one car i mean it's just it's especially you know confusing just because you got daniel suarez running up there in the top 10 and showing to be one of the top track house cars in the field then there's uh, alex bowman he finished in 26th he was running up there near the top 10 towards the back half 
you know, after all these cautions and late going, he had some issues and he sunk to the back of the field on that final restart. He finishes 26. And what was, you know, setting up to be a good points day for him, Chase Briscoe, who he's battling with for that playoff line, this was his chance to really put a gap between the, him. And unfortunately, something went wrong there at the end. And he just wasn't able to take full advantage of it. And then Corey LaJoy, who was filling in for Chase Elliott, who was suspended. Corey, again, he was just really a non-factor all weekend. Uh, I don't know if he just couldn't get comfortable with the car. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Corey blowing this chance. But when you look at it, this race from last year, Chase wasn't that impressive here either. He finished where was it 21st himself last season at, at this track. So Hendrick Motorsports, they struggled really from the get-go. Larson was able to kind of dig himself out of the hole thanks to his team, but Corey just never could crack that top 20. And, and I know that's got to be frustrating for him. He finally gets this opportunity. He's been begging for, wanting for the top team, and it just nothing happens with it. But don't don't get ready to sell to, to sell stock on Corey LaJoy or get ready to say he needs to go to a lower series. Corey has proven enough in the seven car by itself this season that he belongs in the cup series and he should be considered for a top ride. But now he goes back over to that seven car where I'm sure he'll, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable get back in the swing of things. And the guy who filled in for him on Sunday, Carson Hosevar making his first uh, cup series start, he was very impressive in that seven car. He had a brake rotor failure, which took him out, you know, with less than a hundred laps in. And at that point he was up there in the top 20 battling for a top 15 spot and looked really good. And I think that definitely caught quite a people's few people's attention, maybe something down the road with Spire Motorsports, who knows what this will turn into if this may turn into more opportunities, but Carson definitely was impressive, you know, in his first career cup series start. And some of the bigger storylines after this race, you had Austin Dillon, Austin Cindric. Austin Dillon mainly not happy with Cindric, where Austin was spun out by Cindric, took out Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as well. And that was a shame for Ricky because he'd been in the top 10 all day. I even sent out that if Ricky Stenhouse keeps this up into the playoffs, he's not a lot to get bumped out of the, the first round like many people were thinking even after his Daytona 500 victory. Ricky has been a consistent top 10 driver all season long. He may not have the finishes to show it, but he's gotten some stage points here and there, and he's showing a lot more consistency in that 40, 47 car. But with the incident with Austin Dillon, Austin Cindric, I don't know what led up to this. I know they were battling hard in traffic going into turn one. Initial reaction, looking at the replay, it looks like Austin Dillon comes up on Cindric and, and Cindric right rears him, spins him around into the outside wall. And, and a lot of people are dissecting this, especially coming on the heels of Chase Elliott's suspension. And, and I get it. It's the hot topic right now. And it don't help that Richard Childress and Austin Cindric post-race were, or Austin Dillon, not Austin Cindric, were talking post-race about how it was blatant retaliation. Austin Cindric intentionally right reared me into the wall. This is a little bit harder to look into. I know NASCAR is digging into the, the SMT data and going over replays and all, but just as a fan looking from the outside in, it looks more like Dylan coming up than Cindric going down. Now I have seen a couple slow motion replays from some different angles. It does look like Cindric is, is coming down on Dylan, 
uh, and, and and this is completely opposite of what we've seen from Chase Elliott and the Bubba Wallace incident in the terms of you could look at those and, and see from from the get go, hey, that was an intentional spin out. This one's a little bit harder to tell. And if it was intentional by Austin Cindric, this is a very poor decision on his part because you know this is the hot topic in the sport right now. NASCAR is going to be looking at this harder than they ever have, more often than they ever have. And fans are especially going to be jumping on on and off bandwagons with this deal, with with the uproar that was caused by Chase Elliott's suspension. So I want to lean towards this was just a racing deal, but a lot of people seem to be thinking, and it's the side that's picking up momentum that possibly was done intentionally by Austin Cindric. We will know in the next day or two what NASCAR comes out with. That's normally when they announce their penalties, Tuesday at the earliest, Wednesday at the latest. So, We'll see. Who knows? We may be having another suspension for a driver getting right reared. And if that's the case, then, man, this is going to be uh, something we're going to have to keep an an eye on week in and week out. So now NASCAR heads out to wine country out at Sonoma Raceway, where both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series will be racing. And for the Xfinity Series, this is their first time out there. I had to do some looking because I couldn't remember if they Xfinity series had ever even been out there. I know the truck series, they've done some races on and off out there, but for the Xfinity series, this race, the only downside of it is the number of cup series regulars in this race. You got Ty Dillon driving the four car for JD motorsports, Daniel Suarez in the 07 for SS Greenlight racing, AJ Allmendinger in the 10 car for college, Kyle Larson in the 17 for Hendrick, Ty Gibbs in the 19 for Joe Gibbs, Ross Chastain, 91 car for DGM Racing and Eric Almarola, who will be in the 28 car for Ryan Seeks team, RSS Racing. And generally, I'm okay with the Cup Series drivers making some starts in the Xfinity Series. But when it gets to drivers on, of the caliber, especially on the road courses of, of AJ Allmendinger, Kyle Larson, eh, I, I just don't know how I feel about that, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the regular season finale and getting ready to start for the playoffs it just feels like it's taking away from that playoff picture from that playoff race because you look at guys like Almondinger, ty gibbs kyle larson probably even guys like ross chastain and even suarez they could get up there easily and are going to take some of the top spots in the the stage finishes thus taking away more opportunities for these xfinity regulars and i get you know some of them the regulars, they do want to race against these Cup Series guys. But at some point, seven cup regulars in a field that uh, of 41 drivers, that's, that's a little overkill, in my opinion. I don't know, and I hate adding more rules to the sport, but I don't know if there needs to be a cap set on the number of guys. I, I'm okay with drivers like Ty Dillon and Eric Almarola or even Daniel Suarez, guys that aren't up the at the front as much, you know, this gives them another opportunity to shine and who knows what it could create. Daniel Suarez, I know he's the defending winner in the cup series of this race, but we don't see him a lot in the Xfinity series. I, I feel like I, that, that plays a role in it. In my opinion, I just don't see the purpose of, of having a guy like AJ Allmendinger, Kyle Larson and Ty Gibbs out there just to turn laps. Well, Ty do. I mean, Ty doesn't have a whole, a lot of laps, if any, at this track. So, Ty Gibbs, I understand, but 
for AJ and Kyle Larson. I understand going out and getting wins for your teams, but at, at what cost to the series regulars and what they're trying to accomplish. On the Cup Series side, as I said, Daniel Suarez, he's the defending race winner here. Uh, got his first career win last season. Chris Buescher, he was finishing in second. Michael McDowell in third. And this could be a race where you see maybe a possible upset. I mean, remember, we're not doing stage breaks anymore. So the race is going to keep going. And we know Michael McDowell is a solid road course racer. Austin Cendrick's a solid road course racer. Chris Buescher, as strong as he was here last season, could he be a, a underdog pick? And as well as Brad Keselowski, he finished 10th. So RFK Racing's got to be looking at this race as a strong possibility to get one of their guys locked into the playoffs. Um, Chase Elliott, he's going to have to to come out and come out swinging. He's going to have to start going for stage wins, stage points, doing whatever he can to, to get as many points as he can make up to try and get himself closer to that playoff line. Uh, if he's unable to get a, a race win. So a lot of pressure starting to build up in the sport. And this week we're, we're going to do something different with my YouTube channel. I'm going to do three videos that's going to come out starting tomorrow night. I feel like the point situation across the board has taken a backseat with all that's been going on in the sport itself with the suspensions, the penalties. Uh, it, it feels like you just don't hear as much in the points situation as we're used to hearing, especially last year when we were having a different winner every week. So stay tuned with my YouTube channel. The link is in the description below of this episode. You can click on it, go subscribe to my channel. So you know, when these new videos will drop tomorrow night, we'll start with the Crashman truck series. We'll break down the point situation there, what the playoffs are looking like, what tracks are coming up and what that can mean for, for some of the drivers right around the cutoff line. And then Wednesday night we'll move and do the same with the Xfinity series. And then Thursday night we'll, we'll do our cup series video breaking down their playoff picture. So stay tuned. we got a lot of exciting content coming out this week. And that'll wrap up this week's episode. As always, thank you for joining me and listening along. If you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast from. Also, click on the link below in the description to our sponsor, Hunter Harvest. Be sure to let them know that we sent you using that promo code Bradney18923 when you select some of their awesome hunting apparel. And we will meet back same time next week, go over all the action from Sonoma Raceway out in California.